Welcome to St James Bible Bites. This podcast was recorded live at our Sunday morning service. We continue exploring Paul's letter to the Philippian church. Our reflection is by the Reverend David Wilkie, curate at St James. The readings are taken from John 15, beginning at verse 9, and from Philippians 1, from verse 27 to chapter 2, verse 4. You can watch the whole service on our Facebook page, as well as our YouTube channel, both linked on our website. So the first reading is taken from John chapter 15. It's a similar read, well, same reading as the one we had a couple of weeks ago, but a few extra verses either side, see if you can spot where it was. And this is Jesus speaking. So it's John chapter 15, starting at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. This second reading follows on our series uh, from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verse 27, and then it goes on to chapter 2, verse 4. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, 
not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, St. James's Church. My name is Dave, the curate here, and I'm actually in the hall with the children at the moment. Uh, so hello uh, from there. And if you want to see me after the service, uh, I'll be available to come say hello. Uh, this morning, uh, it's a joy to bring this passage from Philippians 2. But first, I want to start with a story. Um, last week, I came into church, and I'm not going to reveal their identity, apart from saying he, otherwise I would get confused. This, this guy... Uh, uh, we started talking as a member of the church, and for whatever reason, he started to share his testimony with me. And I'm so thankful for that. If, if you're here this morning, I'm so thankful for that, because it's, it's really impacted me, but it's also formed the basis of what I want to talk to you about today. So he started to share about uh, how, uh, when he was in his early 20s, he was just doing stuff for himself, he didn't uh, give a lot of thought to others, he was just, you know, did things his own way, and it wasn't going that well, actually. Um, but he was just trying to enjoy himself until one day he came across this lady who he knew, and she came up to him and pointed a finger at him and said, you need to come back to the Lord. And at that point on, he knew deep down in his heart that he did. He was missing out on something. He wasn't right. And he said it changed from that point onwards. You know, he just felt tears streaming from his eyes, and he gave himself to God. And uh, he's now the man we know today. And it's an incredible story. You know, actually, a lot of you here this morning, I might know your name. I might know a little bit about you. I might say hello to one another. But so often, I don't know, actually, your stories. And we might not know each other's stories because we're just polite and we say hello. And actually, we forget to share our testimonies. And it is a really special and wonderful thing to be able to do. Because you know what, it breaks down. So you might be, I might see you as a friend, an acquaintance, as someone that I, I know. But that man that day became a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. You know, someone who is like, you know, we're on this journey together. This is incredible. Like, there was a deep bond of actually a like mindedness in Jesus Christ. Despite our different views and our different ages and all those things, there is, there is something there that is like we are heading towards Jesus together. And it was so good to share that story. So why do I tell you this story today? Well, in this passage in Philippians 2, we could, all, all, we could read it and just feel like there's a finger pointing at us, and yet we miss the context of love. We've, we, there's a finger pointing at us because Paul says to them, does your behavior match up? to the gospel of the king? Are you standing firm, not intimidated by the opponents? Are you suffering for Christ? Are you united? When someone comes and points finger at that, or we might read this passage this morning, we might think, all right already, back up, <laughs> give me some space. Do you know how hard it is already to be living for Christ in this world? Uh, you, you might feel this morning confused about and ashamed by, about the divisions in the church that we see around us. You might feel a bit flaky against the, the cultural backdrop of individualism. You've got to be in this for yourself. It's all about self-help and 
profit and or even though you've, we're trying to build community here or maybe the constant bombardment of entertainment you know you've got to switch on you've got to watch this program or be part of social media or maybe it's like the more you consume the better you will feel you know these advertisements pummelers all day every day and the pressures on people to work harder with the cost of living rising and uh, for less and the guilt the shame that comes from people like the finger pointing at you saying are you doing enough you can just feel angry i used to know a preacher and his he used to always say i encourage you to read the bible more i encourage you to pray more i encourage you to do this i encourage you to volunteer for that i encourage you i encourage you and i used to keep hearing this word encourage you and i used to do my head in i used to feel like all oh, right already like because i think i was missing the context I was just hearing the direction. I'm hearing this guy telling me what I should do. Who is he to tell me what to do? And who am I to tell you what to do this morning, you might think. And so often we can miss the context of love. Here Paul is writing in house arrest. He's awaiting trial in Rome, and that might mean death. He loves this community of believers in Philippi. It's a small church in a proud Roman colony. Part of a Roman colony means that you're a Roman citizen. It's as though you're on Italian soil. So you have tax benefits, your land ownership benefits, local administration, law on your side. You, know, you could sense their fear uh, when they, they, they knew that Paul was a, a Roman citizen. He'd been beaten and thrown into jail. There's a real like privilege to being a Roman citizen. And if you're saying that Jesus is Lord and not Caesar, then you're separating yourself from all those benefits and you feel the pressure of the culture around you telling you to think otherwise. There's a Claudine letter from a later century that's, that was found and it says, Rome, Rome alone has found the spell to charm the tribes that fell beneath her conquering arm, has given one name to the whole human race and collapsed and sheltered them in fond embrace. I wonder if we swap the word Rome today for maybe a large corporation. One of the most powerful corporations in our world at the moment is Amazon or Google. And so we might say like, Amazon, Amazon alone has found the spell to charm the tribes that fell beneath her conquering arm, has given one name to the whole human race and clasps and sheltered them in fond embrace. Kind of rings true, doesn't it? So there's this pressure, this, this culture that they're within, and Paul is wondering how they are doing. There's almost certainly as well a, a misguided teaching existing within the early Christian church there. Um, you see, Paul, as an apostle, is suffering. He's in prison, and he is not doing so well. And so what kind of leader is that to follow? People look at Paul and think, if you follow Christ like him, your life is going to end up in ruins. You're not going to profit. You're not going to do well for yourself. And we almost, we feel that today. If you, know, if you follow Christ, you might not do as well as someone that doesn't. Now, um, there's also the misguided teaching at this time that if you're part of the Christian community, it's, it's almost like, you know, the kingdom of God has come, uh, except that for them that meant that you were, you were with Christ in heaven already. And that meant that you shouldn't be suffering. Uh, you know, you, you shouldn't uh, 
you should be exempt from hardship. Uh, and as a result, looking at Paul, you're a bit confused. Well, he can't be in Christ because he is suffering. He is going through a lot of hardship. And therefore, you just want to say, no thanks, Paul. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. And so he's coming at that with, you know, asking about his, appealing to the people about his integrity, saying, you know, I'm suffering. Are, are you staying united? Because it's so easy to be pulled apart. Um, yeah, he's, he's coming from a place of love. This finger pointing is also pointing to his situation. And actually, it can be a good thing, so we'll see. But throughout the Bible, there is this complaint. You know, the Israelites, they have been rescued from Egypt. They were slaves, and it was terrible conditions. They've been rescued. And then in the wilderness, surrounded by uncertainty and hardship, they're not sure what they're going to eat or drink. They cry out to God and Moses and say, take us back to Egypt. At least we had food there. And we're so quick to do that, aren't we? And then in John 6, it says that as Jesus was doing some difficult teaching about the Spirit and, um, and the Son of Man and... Uh, the words that Jesus, he says, when I, that I've spoken to you are full of spirit and life. And yet there's some of you that do not believe. He's doing some hard teaching in John 6. And then from that point on, uh, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. There is a, a, a message here that is countercultural, and it is sometimes hard to follow. So Paul is saying that, you know, he, he's saying, do not think that you've got this Christian thing wrong if you're suffering. And so often I do. It's like if things go wrong in life, I think, is Jesus real? Is this actually, I think you know, your faith takes a hit, doesn't it? If you get a hard message, a tragedy, something happens. And it is a chance for you to lean into God and ask you, what can I learn from this? What are you trying to teach me? It's not saying that God caused that hardship, that God caused the suffering, but there is a chance for our faith to be deepened. And it does feel like we're being broken in those moments. But inviting God into our brokenness is what it's all about. So are they staying? Are they scared? Is what Paul's saying. Oh, don't be intimidated. Look at me. I'm, I'm trying my best not to be intimidated right now in jail. Are you united? Are you standing firm like me? Because I'm trying really hard to stand firm and be united with you with this letter. Um, it, is, it, is, it is questions out of love. Later in Philippians 2, it says, Never act out of selfish ambition or vanity. Instead, regard everybody else as your superior. Never act out of selfish ambition or vanity. Instead, regard everybody else as your superior. I feel like this is an unpopular thing to say today. You know, humility is what we're talking is, is the is the cure for selfish ambition. Humility. And in the ancient world, humility was frowned upon. It was seen you know, as a weakness. Why would you be humble? It's only since Jesus' teaching that humility has become a virtue. It's been something that is, is a good thing. Now, uh, in, especially in America, but here as well, towards the end of the 1960s and the early 70s, an economic, an economist, econ, yeah, an economist known as Martin Friedman was the champion of a school of thought called neoclassical theory. 
According to this theory, every human action is motivated by selfishness. As such, all humans can be motivated into doing anything as long as there is an economic incentive for it. In fact, no one does or should look out for the good of the collective. Corporations should, not, should only worry for their shareholders and not for their workers or their customers or their communities. Individuals should think only about their bottom line. It's all that matters to them really anyway. The me, the here, and the now. Now, before the 1960s, the unions used to be strong. Corporations used to take care of communities. And now it feels like it's since the 1960s, it's become all about profit. And, you know, this idea, the inequality is growing. The richer get richer, the poorer get poorer. It's what I've grown up with and I assume it's always the case, but it hasn't been. And this idea that the trickle-down theory, that as the rich get richer, the money will trickle down and keep the economy working, it doesn't work. I don't believe that. And I don't think any of this is of God at all. Never act out of selfish ambition or vanity flies in the face of this theory of Martin Friedman. Because what we see now, uh, as it st is, I feel like it's tearing apart now. The fabric of our society is tearing apart as we see strikes, as we see low wage. We see an increase in human slavery across the world because we want low-cost goods at whatever the cost. Because profit is king. Pollution, even though the climate change is obviously happening, pollution is often it, it's like an all-time high. And we have sewage in our rivers, and all this, like, because, yeah, ah. Regard everybody else as your superior. Wow, in a culture of individualism, that is, I said, you know, this is a radical, radical message, and it can easily be an unpopular one. But it's one that we've got to cling on to. And to start with, I feel like instead of, you know, sometimes it is a good thing to point the finger out of love and be bold and say, you need the Lord back in your life. And that timely message can change your life. But it needs to be done through love. And we need to hear one another's stories and humble ourselves. Like 1 Peter 5, 5, 6 says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Next week, we go into the message of Jesus emptying himself, you know, the humility of Christ, what he did for us. And again, it, is, it can be so easily seen as a, a backward message for today's world, and it always has been. It's the logic. Actually, if you want to be free, why would you go to someone who's in prison like Paul? If you want to be free from death, why would you believe in a Messiah that's been put to death? It goes against, it flies in the face of logic, doesn't it? Karl Barth puts it like this. Jesus moves from the heights to the depths, from victory to defeat, from riches to poverty, from triumph to suffering, from life to death. And by doing so, he brings to others those very things that he'd moved away from himself. Because of what he did on the cross, he is bringing, uh, he's bringing victory. 
He is bringing riches of the kingdom of God. He's bringing triumph over suffering. And he's bring, bringing life after death. We must become slaves in order to save our fellow slaves. It's so hard to, uh, to go against you know, our own needs sometimes, our own idea of happiness, to serve another person, to see them as more important. Remember in Matthew 5, Jesus sits on a hillside and he teaches his disciples what the kingdom of God looks like. And it is so different. It's kind of culture. It's upside down. It's strange. And yet this is exactly what Paul is saying. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the poor in heart, pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that your son came to earth, took on human form, emptied himself, and showed us what it means to be fully human. Shows that by serving others, we could be more like you. And we could be more like the people you have made us to be. Lord, would you, would you help this church to be united? To be heading towards you, sharing stories of life and love and transformation that not only changed us as individuals, but can change the town, can change our world. Lord, we live in a world that is hard, that is broken, that is profiteering, and is hurting. Lord, would your light shine in the darkest of places? Would you be with Christians everywhere as they stand in communities that aren't like them, that don't see the world like, a, like them? Would you help us to see people as you see them? Amen. For more Bible Bite podcasts, simply visit our website www.stjamestaunton.co.uk and click on resources. Thank you for listening and may God be with you today.